Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning. Man, it has been a thing this morning. Uh, got here early. Everybody started coming in and, you know, just had, a, had an expectation when I came in this morning. And I'm telling you if, you, if you don't show up with an expectation when you come to church, you miss it a lot of times because you're not expecting it, so you miss it. But we came this morning with an expectation, and I was just sitting here listening to the worship team practice and uh, just you know, wondering what the Lord was going to do today. And then one after another, even before that, got a tail on you. I've done that so many times. That's why I know I can feel her pain. But I was just sitting there and then one person after another said, man, I'm going through issues physically. Then another person I'm going through, I'm like, Lord, what do you want to do today? <laughs> I'm going through this issue physically. Another person going through this issue personally, and I'm sitting in my office preparing the message, getting it all squared up, and another person comes in my office and says, man, just pray for my family. They're going through a hard time physically. A lot of physical things going on. Came back in here, another person. So it's like one after another after another. And, and so today, I, I believe that God has already healed people. We've already had healings this morning in our prayer service, in our pre-service. And I want you to know God is still in the healing business. God still heals. God still heals. And he's going to do it again. He's going to do it some more. And so I just hope, and t- I hope to open up your eyes to it. Maybe you're reluctant to receive healing from God. But hopefully through this message, through the prayer time, through the worship time, God is opening your eyes to receive in faith the healing that he wants to give you today. So we're going to be in Acts some more. Imagine that. Acts chapter 19. This is a very long message, so we'll probably get about through a quarter of it today. I warned, I warned everybody on the team. I'm like, I don't think we're going to get all the way through this, but it's okay. We got nothing but time, right? So, uh, but I want to focus today on the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, and how Jesus, when he steps into a community, when the word of God steps into a community or a new place, how he steps in with authority, with power, with miracles, signs and wonders. Why? So that people will know that he is truly God and that they would turn to him and that they would give their lives to him. God, he he manifests miracles and healings so that people will know where the healings and the miracles come from. And and I want to... I want, to, I want to say this to you today. We don't come seeking miracles and healing. We come seeking Jesus. 
because Jesus is the source of those things. And he wants us to come to him. And when we come to him, what else do we need? He's our one thing, right? So I want to open up with this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, because we are now in the third missionary journey of Paul. Paul stepping into Ephesus, and he writes these words right here to the Ephesian church. This is after he's already been here. So he's writing back, and he says this, very familiar passage. A final word. So he's, he's telling the Ephesians, a final word I want to give you. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I wrote this down. Don't be fooled. There is a spiritual realm. There are powers at work in the world. God has called his people to push back the darkness. So we are to take up every piece of equipment that he supplies. For every day is a battle against these powers who come against households, cities, and nations. These authorities are the influencing powers that seek to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But take heart, believer, for the Lord is mighty in power, and his name is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, nations rise and fall, cities repent, and households are set free. There's power in the name of Jesus. Paul stepped into Ephesians, walking Ephesus, walking in this power. He understood the power. And when he walked into Ephesus, Ephesus was a city, a hotbed of idol worship, of sorcery and divination. If he, the, the, the city of Ephesus was this hub or this, this, this center for this worship of a goddess named Artemis, also known as Diana in the Roman. So Artemis, I want to just give you a little backdrop about Artemis. Artemis was the, the goddess huntress. She was also known as the moon god. She was known uh, by many things. And this city in Ephesus built this huge temple to Artemis. And so the city was built on the culture of Artemis worship. The very city itself was built on this. But the, the goddess of Ar this god, goddess Artemis was also known by another name that was kind of blended in with other gods of the region. And she was known also as Hecate or Trivia. And Trivia was the goddess of sorcery and divination. She was, she was the goddess of all things like the moon, the shadows, the death realm. She was very much witchcraft incarnate. And so this city was built upon these things. And you notice as we read through this, uh, this story in Acts, you're going to see how the city uh, had made this idol worship, sorcery divination, its own identity and its own culture. And when Paul walked in, he caused trouble to these things. He caused good trouble. And today, I want to tell you, believer, God has called us to cause good trouble. Not where people look at you as a believer and go, uh, you're just against everything we're against or we're for. But when you walk in, they're like, man, there's something about you and the way that you people live and the way you people don't enter into the things that we enter into, but yet you're still joyful. Yeah, you're still, you're still full of love. There's, there's nothing special about you looking, but there's something different 
and it's beautiful, and I want to know what it is. This is the power that, that, that Paul walked in. He walked in the power of God, and the church in Ephesus walked in this power. And so we're going to read this in Acts chapter 19. And right now we're going to go through 8 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to that. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. should be on the board as well back here. So then Paul, going on his third missionary trip, went to the synagogue like Paul always does. Goes to the synagogue first, preaches to the Jews because they understand what he's saying. Preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So the way is what they use to talk about this Jesus following, the followers of the way. You know, we saw in Antioch, they were called Christians. They wasn't very well spread by then. This is Asia Minor. And so they have, these, they have to call these people something. So they're followers of the way. Well, what's the way? They claim that Jesus is the way. And so they were followers of the way. That's what he's getting at here. Then... He held daily discussions. So Paul left the synagogue because people didn't want to hear from him. They took the believers with him. And then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for the next two years. So the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Paul had very good success in Ephesus. So he stayed there two years preaching the word of God. People were getting saved. People were getting set free. Miracles were happening. We're about to find out. And Jesus was doing amazing things in Ephesus despite the resistance that Paul was feeling or getting. And, and believer, I want to tell you, when you step out in faith to, for God, when you start doing things in the name of Jesus for his kingdom, when you start stepping out in obedience, there's always going to be resistance. Because the enemy does not give up territory. He had a firm grip in Ephesus. And so he will do everything in his power to stop you from preaching, to stop you from going forth, to stop you from doing the very thing that God has called you to do. But Paul didn't care. He kept moving on. He kept pressing on. He just kept moving on because he knows that his God is bigger than that. And so get this in verse 11. Remember what I told you about Ephesus, the city of sorcery, divination, the city of idol worship, the city that, that claimed to be the very resting place of Artemis, the goddess the huntress goddess. She's also the goddess of fertility. And so God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Like, I don't know what the usual miracles are, but these are unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that he had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. That's pretty unusual. Or is it? Or is it? See, this thing that, that Paul was doing in Ephesus was the very thing that Jesus called his disciples to do. Here's the Jesus mandate. We find this in Matthew 10, 5, 8. He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? He goes, he's sending out his disciples. He's like, go into these towns, preach to the Jews, preach the good news of the kingdom, heal the sick, heal the lepers, open blind eyes, cast out demons. This is what Paul was doing. He was going into these places. He was preaching the gospel. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. It's the Jesus mandate. So this miracle that, that Paul was performing, these miracles that are being performed by these handkerchiefs or, or these cloths, 
So he, they were laying on us. They were putting on. It didn't say exactly what they were doing, but somehow it touched Paul. And then they went and laid it on the people that were sick, and they were healed, and demons were left them. The power of God was moving through Paul, was moving through this church in such a way that it was amazing. It was unusual, unusual miracles. But I, w- I want to bring somebody up to tell a story, Cliff, if you want to come up. Cliff was, he still is a missionary, and he's a Bible translator for Wycliffe, man of many knowledge. If you sit down with him for a while, your mind will be blown. But we were sitting at a prayer meeting one time, uh, and he was just telling this story about kind of, it was very similar to what happened here in Ephesus when he was on the mission field in Papua New Guinea. And it was just an amazing story. I'm, blown. I'm like, really? This really happened? He's like, yeah, it really happened. It's an amazing story. God will do miracles. God is a God of miracles. God, God will do this so that people will know that he is God. And he can do it any way he wants to. And I think so often we limit God. It's like, God, you can't, you can't move through that. You can't do through this. God, you can only move through this way. But we see that God moves any way he wants to. And so I'm going to let Cliff go and share his story with you. Thanks, Cliff. Good morning. Good morning. I think Neil said we work in Papua New Guinea. This happened back our first term, which had been in the late 1980s. And it was September, uh, close to Papua New Guinea Independence Day, which is the 16th. So it was a Wednesday. Most of the people in the village were gone, and this one man came to our house. His name was Ron. He, he had paddled six miles from another island to our island to see me. And he came up, and, and it, typical of Papua New Guineans, he said, can you help me? And then stops, and he waits to find out if I'm going to respond. And I, I already knew by then um, how to respond. It wasn't say yes, it was what do you need? And so... He explained that uh, the day before, on Tuesday, his wife had given birth to a child. And the midwives had told Ron that there was a second baby, and it hadn't come out yet. And she was bleeding, and she was in a lot of pain. And I'm thinking, why do I get these things? (laughs) I know nothing about childbearing. I, I, I think it happened to me. I experienced it once a long time ago, but I was too young to remember what you do or what goes on. I had no ability as a doctor. And on the amphlets where we work, uh, there are no doctors, there are no nurses, there is no medicine. Any medicine is what we bring out. And we have a little book called Where You Wish You Had a Doctor, I mean, where there is no doctor. And I, I read that all the time. Well, it had nothing in there about helping a woman give birth to a child. And so my wife and I are thinking, this child is probably breech, and we, we got a major problem. And he wanted me to come do something. And I looked at him, I said, I can't help you with that. There is nothing I can do uh, physically with my hands or anything else. I don't have the knowledge to be able to help you there. And he, you, I could tell he was disappointed. So then he turned and he said to me, can you call the Catholic Church on the radio and see if they can send a boat out with nurses. I thought, well, yeah, I can do that. So Ron got down from our house and went back into the village, and I got on the two-way radio, called on the frequency, and right away a woman came on, and I explained the situation, and they do this a lot, and she said, well, this week is Independence Day. All our boats are gone. 
there is no boat available to come out to your place. And I'm thinking, oh, why me? And she said, but Friday, that's two days away. She said, a boat is available, it can come out. And I'm thinking, well, two days later, the, the woman's going to be dead along with the child. So I, I got off the radio and I got down out of the house and headed to the village to look for Ron. The whole time I'm praying, God, what do I do? I have no idea how to help this man or this woman. Uh, what should I do? I probably should have done that at the beginning when Ron came to me, but I didn't. And as I'm walking through the village, all of a sudden a thought comes to my mind, and it's Acts chapter 19, the passage Neil just read. And I'm, I'm thinking, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm supposed to take a piece of cloth or something and send it over with him? And I just, I couldn't shake that thought. And at the time, I thought it was just a random thought came to my mind. So I get to the, end of the other end of the village, and I find Ron. He's at another guy's house by the name of Aloe. He's up in his house. The houses are up off the ground. He's sitting in his doorway, just sitting there. So I go over to Ron, and I told him the, the situation with the Catholic Church and no boat. I said, but I have an idea. And I looked around, and I saw this rice bag, just a piece of plastic someone left on the ground. So I grabbed it, and I said, here's what we're going to do. He said, come here. We went over to Aloe's doorway, and I said, we're all going to take a hold of this piece of plastic, and we're going to pray and ask God to heal your wife. And they both looked at me like, yeah, right, you are crazy. And I was feeling very much like that. And... Uh, I said, this isn't magic, this isn't sorcery, this is what they practice, this is what they do in the village. I said, we're, we're just going to ask God to do it, because I can't do anything about this, you can't do anything. We have one option, and that's if God is willing to, to heal your wife. So let's ask him. So we prayed over it, we got done, Ron took the plastic, put it in his basket, they have these little baskets they carry around. He got in his canoe and he paddled back six miles to his wife. A few days later, a week later, I forget, we left the village for a break. We came back a couple of months later, and I found out the rest of the story. He did paddle all the way back. He got out of the canoe, went up, told the midwives what I had said. They took the plastic, put it on his wife's stomach, and you will not believe what happened. <laughs> the bleeding stopped. The pain stopped. She got up and fixed a meal for these guys. <laughs> and... The, the neat part was that two days later, the boat came from the Catholics. The nurses got off. They checked her out. She had a retained placenta. Could have killed her. They, they, they eventually took her back to the Catholic mission station to have her checked out, but she was perfectly fine. And I was probably the most amazed person of everybody that heard this. <laughs> but the neat part was that everybody in this language group heard what happened. They saw what God had done. It was not me. And these other two guys had prayed, so they knew it was not me, that it was the power of God. And I almost missed an opportunity to see God because I wasn't listening to him, and I didn't recognize that God was giving me that, that thought as I walked through the village. Very good. That's it. Thanks, Appreciate it. He's God. He can do whatever he wants, even if it's bless her ice bag.
So you see this thing that Paul was doing is very similar to some things that had happened even before. We read earlier in Acts where Peter was Peter was walking along and it says people were just getting in a shadow and they were being healed by a shadow. And then you, you see Jesus as he's on his earthly ministry and he's in this crowd and Jairus is this man and he's asking Jesus to come heal his daughter because she's sick and she's going to die. And so right in the middle of this moment where Jesus is about to walk to Jairus' house, this happens, we read in Luke chapter 8. I didn't give you the verse up there. It was this morning that I got this. So Luke chapter 8, verse 42, he was, he was leaving. And so Jesus went with him, Jairus. He was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, kind of similar to what, not 12 years, just, and she could find no cure. So I'm sure she had given up at this point. 12 years of dealing with this, well, that's just how it is. That's how it's always going to be. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing against you. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Someone deliberately, intentionally made their way up here. I'm adding these extra words in. Thought of a way to get to me and touched me deliberately. For I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman, when the woman realized she had not, she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her, explain, heard her explain why she had touched him and what she had been immediately healed from, and that she had been immediately healed. And this is Jesus' response, daughter. He said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, sometimes we come to Jesus, and it's not very deliberate. We come to Jesus thinking, maybe he'll do something if I, maybe, I don't know, maybe. But this woman, she thought, I'm going to push through this crowd. I'm going to touch Jesus. And she thought, if I can just touch the very thing that's touching Jesus, I can get healed. If I can at least touch the hem of his robe, if I can get that close to Jesus, then I can be healed. And this woman was healed. Jesus is the power to heal. It's not, a, it's not a rice bag. It's not the napkins that Paul was handing out. It's not the shadow of Peter. It was Jesus healing through those things. Jesus heals any way he wants to. We just have to be open to let him do it. That's why when we come together as a church and we pray for one another, when we have our altar time, we pray together, we, we get together together, we, we put oil on our hands and we anoint you with oil. That's scripture says the anoint with oil. The power is not in the, there's no power in the oil. It's just olive oil and some spices. The power is in the name of Jesus. We don't have any power. We're just people. But we lay our hands. The church is to call to lay our hands on people because it's through the name of Jesus. We're just being a conduit for Jesus to work. And so that's why we're told in James to pray for one another. That's why over and over scripture, pray for each other. If you're sick, come to the elders. Let them pray for you. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I find it no mistake that 
that, that Paul was given this ability to heal through this method to prove a point to the, to the Ephesian people. Because they believed, remember, it was, it was a city, of, it was a hotbed of sorcery and divination. If you know anything about that thing or, or witchcraft or black magic, it's all through trinkets and objects. And, and, and so when he's walking into the Ephesian church and, and he's healing people through this napkin, they're seeing there's another power at work here in the city. I'm not getting healed through these idols of Artemis. I'm not getting healed through these trinkets. I'm getting healed through this object that Paul says has power through the name of Jesus. And it starts a revival in the city. The city has changed. And I want to say this to you. This is just a side note. You know, you see a lot of things out there where people are offering you healing for $9.99, right? I bless this water. I bless this thing. Buy it and you'll be healed. We're a very mystic society, believe it or not. You don't think we are. We're, we're Western culture. You know, we're civilized people, but we're still very mystic. We buy crystals, right? We go to head shops. We go to things like that. And we get these things that are very spiritual in nature. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the only power in the world. And those things don't compare. And I want to tell you, if somebody's telling that you need to buy your healing, you need to run. Because like I love it, Christian said, it was even in my notes. You don't have to buy your healing. It's already been paid for. I'm going to add to that. You don't need to walk up to the register. I love that. <laughs> it's already paid for. Jesus paid it all for you. He paid it all. He did it. People are getting healed. People are getting set free. And then demons are being cast out through the name of Jesus, so much so that a group of Jews saw it and tried to take advantage of it and do something. So we read in Acts 19, 13 through 20, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. Remember, this is sorcery. Saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. So that he's, these are the guys, seven guys. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them. I can just imagine Luke writing this. <laughs> these demons beat the snot out of these guys and made them run out of the house naked. With such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Two words that are used here for know. And it says, I know Jesus. It's the Greek word gnosko, which means to know him intimately. Like I know him. Like I know Dallas. Me and Dallas have spoke. We know each other. We know several things about each other. And the other word that's used is episteme for like I know him. Like I just have, I have respect for him. I know that person. Like I know some of you by name, but I don't know much about you. So these demons are like, I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul. But you guys, I don't know who you are. And here's what strikes me as crazy. These men seem to have some success. Because it says they were going from town to town casting out demons. So somehow they were having success using the name of Jesus. 
And to me, that tells me that the name of Jesus has power despite who uses it. Despite how it's being used. And these guys being Jews, they should have known. It says they were even lead priests. They should have known the second commandment. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. They were taking it in vain. They were using it like it was empty, like it had no meaning. And I'm telling you people, Jesus' name has power. Has power to heal. Has power to set you free. Has power to save you. It's only through the name of Jesus. Just through his name. No other name. It's the only way. Matthew 7, 21 says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. No, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Seven sons of Kiva. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, all who break God's laws. The name of Jesus is not devoid of its power because evil people use it and people use it wrong. The name of Jesus is powerful. So don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't devoid it of its power. Philippians 2.9 says this, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven. I've mentioned this passage before. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what does this passage mean for us? It's a warning and it's a blessing. Number one, be, be careful how you yield the name of Jesus. But also, the blessing is that through the name of Jesus, mountains are moved. Through the name of Jesus, Sickness is healed. Through the name of Jesus, people are set free. Through the name of Jesus, people are saved. It's a blessing. It's also a warning. So be careful how you yield it. Be careful that you don't use the name of Jesus in vain. I love the rest of the story in 17. The story of what happened, these guys getting beat by this demon, quickly spread through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at the public bonfire. The value of these books was several million dollars. Remember, you just couldn't go, they didn't have printing press. These were handwritten, very very costly. So the message about the Lord spread wildly, widely and had a powerful effect. Notice what happened. Paul walks into Ephesus, starts preaching like he always does, gets, gets resistance like he always does. He goes to the Gentiles like he always does. I think he figured this out. He goes to the Gentiles. They get saved. He, he starts healing people through these napkins, through these prayer cloths. The power of God is going out. The people in Ephesus are seeing the real power in the universe because they believed in this false power, Artemis. They believed in divination and sorcery. 
They believed in these incantations, but they were simply, just, they, didn't, they wouldn't have to say anything. They just simply laid these napkins on people and they were healed. Who can get the glory for that? Only Jesus. So Paul's declaring Jesus. He's showing Jesus is the power. These people are believing it. They see these guys come up and try to use Jesus' name in vain. They see what happens to them. They see demons coming out just by simply laying the, the cloths on them. People are like, oh my gosh, there's a, real, there's a real God in heaven. Jesus is really who he says he is. And so they come to town and they repent. And I could just see this huge bonfire just throwing in these incantation books and spell books. I was at a store this week and I saw this sweet girl. She had a big pentagram on her. I was, I was prayed for her last night. I'm like, God, if she only knew the real power in the universe. All that will lead to bondage. But Jesus, you lead to freedom. There is only one true power in the universe, and that's God. And Jesus, whose name is above every other name, he has the power to set you free, to heal your body, and to give you freedom and to save your soul. That's the beauty of the name Jesus. That's who you felt in here today. This morning in worship, his spirit speaking to you. He heals. Do you believe he heals? He heals. If I can get the worship team and the prayer team to come up. Stephanie, Stephanie, you want to come up here? Ask her if it's okay to share this. Because sometimes... Seeing is believing, but with the kingdom, believing is seeing. It's backwards. But God did something this morning in our prayer time. We have our little pre-service devotion. We sing a song. We usually do some ministry, devotion, pray. But this morning, we felt strongly that we needed to pray for healing. So we lined everybody up. We prayed for them, and I'm going to let you go until your story, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, make this short and sweet, but um, back in March, they did a CT scan. I was going in for something for my stomach, and they saw what they thought was a cyst, and it was not very large or anything like this, and they were just like, ah, it'll take care of itself. Um and since then, I've had pain every now and then, and then it just got more frequent. It just got more frequent, and I wasn't here last Sunday because um, it was just, it, w- it was bad, and I was feeling terrible, and it was just every day this week. Um, Wednesday, I went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, oh, well, let's go ahead and send you for a scan, and I was like, okay. So they sent me for an ultrasound, and it had grown, it had grown significantly since March and they told me that it doesn't look like a cyst it looks very fibrous and um, they were going to send me for another scan and um, so I went for an MRI on Friday so they could see if it was benign or malignant and um, last night about Wednesday probably about 11 o'clock um I was in the kitchen, and I got this really sharp pain in my side, and it didn't go away. 
And so I took some medicine and um, fell asleep till about three o'clock in the morning. I've been up since three, just with excruciating pain. My spouse kept on telling me, hey, we need to go to the emergency room. I was like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm going to wait until I get my results. And we got here because I haven't told anybody. And I went to go tell Mike and Kim this morning. And um, Mike was like, you know, you need to go up so we can all pray for you. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't want anybody to know until I have an answer. And then we got up here and he said (laughs) that there's going to be healing. And I was like, okay, I'm coming up. And I came up and I can't remember the gentleman's name. Billy, this is the gentleman right here. And we we prayed over me. And they laid hands on me. And and I when I tell you, he said his back was hurting, so we laid hands on him next. After the prayer stopped, I just sat there and I the pain's gone. I was limping this morning when Mike saw me because it hurt so bad, and it's the the pain is it's gone. Like it, it's gone, you know. And if that's not proof that there's healing, then I don't know what it is. And I'll get my scans, and no matter what it is, I know that God's got me and that we're taken care of. But the pain's gone. God still heals. God still heals. He's here. He wants to heal. So here's what we're going to do. We have your communion. Everybody have their communion. If anybody needs any, just raise your hand. We'll get you one. You got one right here. One back here. We usually wait till the first of the month to do this, but it felt strong this morning. As I was reading this, we don't have any napkins to send anybody. (laughs) Communion is something we do together to remember the work of Christ. There's some back here as well. I need some. His body was broken for us so that we may be healed. Spiritual healing, yes, but also physical. He took our place on the cross. He took our beating. Scripture says, by his stripes, we are healed. Like it's already done. We don't have to go to the register. I'm going to use that over and over. It's done. Just get up. Receive it. Through his body, we're healed. Through his blood, we're made right with God. We're made clean and we enter into this beautiful relationship with the Father that nothing can break. We have access to the Father. Directly walk up to him and pray and ask without fear. 
It's a beautiful covenant that Jesus made with us. Through his body, we're made whole. Through his blood, the covenant is made. And we are right with God. And we are sons and daughters of God. So as we take this together as a church, we always do these two things. When we pray and we take the bread, we pray for healing, physically, emotionally, spiritually. When we take the cup, we pray for those that do not know Christ, that they would come to know Christ, that they would be saved. Some people need to see a miracle before they believe. That's why these things happen. That's why they happen today, because God still does miracles so that he gets the glory. It's not for us. This is this. This isn't about us. This is about God. She's not the only one. Jesus heals. It's the mighty name of Jesus that heals. So we're going to take communion together. But then also, maybe you have people at home. Maybe you have a loved one that you, that's sick right now, really sick. Maybe you have someone at home that needs healing. We're going to believe just like this in Acts 19, just like what Cliff did. I think this is a step in obedience. So when we take this together, we're going to open up the altar. So if you need prayer for anything, we're going to lay hands on you. The power's not in the oil. The power's in Jesus. We're just the conduit. We're going to pray for healing. If you have somebody that's not here, that you have in contact with, what we're going to ask you to do is you're going to come up. We're going to take a communion element. We're going to pray for that person. And then you're going to take this communion to them in obedience. Say, we prayed for you to be healed. Drink this. Take this cup. And do communion with them. Allow God to be God. You've got a chance. You've got a chance. That's all he needs. He just needs one step of obedience. And he can heal you. So let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for what you've already done this morning. God, miracles happen when you move. (laughs) Healing is in this room. Jesus, we thank you for your healing power. God, we thank you for the gospel that sets men free. That through the name of Jesus, we can be made right. Through the name of Jesus, through believing in your name, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you died, that you rose again that you're coming back for us, that you have made us right with the Father. Through that name, Jesus, we are saved. Through your name, Jesus, everything must bow. If it has a name, it must bow. If, If it has a name, it must bow. It doesn't matter what disease it is. It has a name. It must bow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Cancer must bow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body that was broken for us, Jesus. Thank you that you took every stripe for us. You, were, you suffered on the cross. You bled for us. The thorns are pressed into your head. Your joints were out of place. God, all these things are so that we could be made whole. That you put everything back in place. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So, Lord, I pray right now, Father God, as we take this bread together, that you would heal And as we step up to receive prayer, that you would heal. Lord, send your healing hand out to show people that you are God, that you are the ultimate power in the universe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So this is what we do. Always break the bread together. Let's take the bread. We have the cup.
Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant I give to you. Through his blood, we are made right. We are made righteous. Through his blood, our sins are washed away. Through his blood, we are sealed. And we have right standing with God. So thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing over me. Lord, I pray for those today that do not know you. Lord, you love them. God, you see them. You see them wandering. You see, like this young lady, Lord, you see they're searching for truth. And Lord, I pray that they would know the truth, that they would know you, Jesus, and that their hearts would come alive in you, Lord, that they would come to faith, that they would come to you. And Lord, their lives would change forever. Thank you, Jesus, for reaching down. Thank you, Jesus, for loving these people. Lord, help us to love them the way you do. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for your salvation. Lord, I pray for those that do not know you, that they may be saved, and they may call upon your name, Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. Let's take the cup. So right now, if you need healing for any reason, come up. We want to pray with you. If you need, have somebody that needs to be healed and it's not here, come get one of these elements to take with you. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen.